St. Paul's first letter to Timothy 1 15-17. Timothy, my son, the saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the foremost of sinners, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory to the ages of ages. Amen. Dash, dash, dash. There are a number of things taking place in these two passages. On the surface of the epistle reading, the message is relatively simple and straightforward. Jesus came to save sinners and all of us, Paul included, are sinful and in need of salvation. But it is when we look to the gospel reading that parallels are revealed with many more details. First is the location. Jesus is moving about Israel, bringing the good news to the people of Israel. In this narrative, he is approaching the city of Jericho, which was the first city into which the Israelites entered when they came into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. To state it simply, this was the first place that the people of God took as part of the fulfillment of the covenantal promises given to Abraham. Just as the people of God began their work of taking the land of Israel as their own, now Paul, is beginning to bring the good news of the gospel to the world that Jesus has been set up as King and Lord. In Luke 1835-43, we read. At that time, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a multitude going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and commanded him to be brought to him, and when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. As Jesus approaches Jericho, a blind man is told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Evidently, the man has some degree of knowledge regarding Jesus, for upon hearing that he is coming, he begins crying out to Jesus for mercy. The blind man was in need of healing and he believed that Jesus could provide that healing. It is noteworthy that the blind man did not know firsthand what was going on, it was something that needed to be told to him. This parallels in a rather remarkable fashion with what took place with Paul as he began hearing about Jesus. When Paul came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, it was not directly from Jesus but from others instructing him. After Paul's Damascus Road experience, and his self-imposed exile to Arabia, he did not begin his ministry until he met with the other apostles. Paul is the only apostle that didn't work with Jesus prior to the crucifixion. The other parallel is that of response. Just as Paul laments his sinful state and glorifies God for his incredible mercy toward him, the blind man cries out to Jesus for healing and upon receiving it, immediately glorifies God. The parallel of affliction is interesting as well. As this blind man does not know of Jesus' approach until someone else tells him about and is subsequently healed of his blindness, Paul has the same experience. He is made blind by the Damascus Road experience but then receives healing by the hand of others. As Paul is going about the land of Israel, seeking to persecute the followers of Jesus, he has his Damascus Road experience in which he is made blind by a miraculous interaction with Jesus. It is when others pray for him that Paul receives his sight and then responds with glorifying God in Jesus Christ. Paul alludes to this in the epistle reading, as he identifies himself as the foremost of sinners. I read this self-deprecation from Paul and wonder about just how it can be the case that he is the worst of all sinners. It really just comes down the fact that Paul initially rejected Jesus and even persecuted those who were followers of Jesus. 
It wasn't enough that Paul was simply ignorant of Jesus and his salvific work, Paul deliberately and aggressively opposed the gospel. This is the point that Paul marvels over. As he says, I received mercy for this reason. As he goes on to say, God brought Paul to a place of saving faith in order for others to see that even the worst sort of person can be saved and come to understand Jesus Christ as the long-awaited Messiah. As Paul opens this epistle passage, he nicely summarizes the whole point. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is really a grand yet simple point. Jesus did not come to judge anyone or to destroy anyone. He came to save. And we must never forget that He was absolutely and perfectly successful in that endeavor. Jesus accomplished what He set out to do. His ministry prepared the nation of Israel for His death and resurrection. But His death and resurrection accomplished far more than simply instructing the Israelites. Jesus' death and resurrection saved sinners. It is unfortunate that so many believers in the modern day tend to complicate the simple message of the Gospel. It is not about predestination, it is not about answering an altar call, and it is not about asking Jesus into one's heart. The Gospel message is that Jesus saved sinners. Prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all men, every single human being that had ever been born up to that point, was born into a slavery unto death. With an unavoidable death following a human life, all men were separated from God and were in the grips of the grave. Up to that time, men would live and then die and could not enter the presence of God. But with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all men were freed from the power of death. The sin and death that had formerly kept men separated from God had been removed. Jesus conquered death and opened the pathway for men to come into the presence of God. In that sense, all men were saved. They were saved, they were freed, they were rescued from the power of death. Man's responsibility, now, with that bondage to sin and death being removed, is to work out that salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that eternal life is his, he must sanctify himself, he must form his soul into a replication of Jesus Christ. It is man's responsibility to turn away from a life of sin and instead form himself by the power of the Holy Spirit and as part of the Church, into a person that loves God and loves his neighbor. As Paul says in his closing comment, to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory to the ages of ages. Amen. There is only one God, who is immortal and invisible and it is to Him that we give honor and glory. It is only because of Jesus Christ and His work of salvation that we can be in a place where we can be in the presence of God and offer Him praise.